It's episode 18 of the Temperamental Gooners podcast. I'm here with Amari and Kibbs, and it's a, it's a somber day in the world of football, or somber com- couple of days, with the announcement of the European Super League, which Arsenal are part of the uh, six English clubs um, that have decided to uh, create this league. Um, initial thoughts, gentlemen, on you know the league itself, and then we'll go into a more Arsenal-centric sort of view during the course of the podcast. But just initial thoughts from you, firstly, Kibbs. Uh, yeah, so you're always surprised to see such sudden, sudden news like that. Um, where we heard it, it was like all the cards have been laid out. But thinking back to it, I can't say I'm so surprised because this, this is what Wenger's been talking about for a long time. Um, and I think he suggested that these plans were on hold until the English teams kind of agreed to it. And funnily enough, at first there was a, there were six English teams, super six. Um, yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I can say that we were all disappointed as fans, um, some form of disbelief. But again, just looking at, I can't, I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, this is. This is as a result of poor control, poor control and checks and balances from the governing bodies. Um, there's a saying that the game, the game has gone, but if, if it was the case today that the game has gone, then surely it would have been a long time ago. Um, a lot needs to be done regardless of whether this is cancelled or not, a lot needs to be looked at. Yeah. Um, and I hope the time is now that, you know, us as fans can rise up and, and have some say. I'm not too sure how, but yeah, we'll see. Amari, what are your thoughts? I just think um, it's, from an, from an Arsenal fan's point of view, it's the only way I can really see it. It's just that... Um, Clearly, our board just didn't want to deal with the fact that if you manage the club poorly, you lose the right to play in Premier competition and you lose the right to have the money of being a, an elite club. So they were like, let's let's circumvent that and let's just, while we still have the name that we have in the continent, let's get involved in this um, Super League. Um, it's disappointing. Um, yeah, it's disappointing, really. But by the way, this was ten years in the making, right? This, this is regard for for yeah for for Martin's perspective. That's um, exactly what Amari said. But the top clubs that are involved in it, it's because I, th- I think we can have to like broaden this out a bit. Is this was purely done for money, right? For these a lot of these teams who are. Yeah, Spanish teams, especially, are on. So, so I mean, the Spanish clubs and the and the Italian clubs have been crying about how they don't necessarily get enough of the revenues or the enough control of how that's distributed because, and they bring in the biggest, they are the biggest uh, names in the league, and they bring in all that money. So they've been really piping for this for how many years? You can imagine clubs like, for example, the top Portuguese clubs, uh, Benfica, as well and FC Porto maybe, and maybe Ajax as well, 
would want to be in and around this. They've been talking about a league like this. So maybe those are the other clubs that have been mentioned that haven't um, um, that haven't necessarily been announced yet. But nonetheless, it seems this was a long time in the making, and you know UEFA have been trying to. You know, with a revamped proposed revamped Champions League, they've been trying to you know stall it away somehow, but somehow it's um, it's they've not managed to do that. But uh, I think this is going to be a big debate topic. Funny enough, today, like I told you guys, I wanted to discuss the academy, given that Arsenal play Arsenal's youth players are quite doing well, whether it be at the club or on loan, for example, Willock and Maitland Niles wanted to talk about the Arsenal Academy and Balogun signing, but uh, we're not going to get to do that today. I think I think this is going to supersede that. But let's get into our two uh, previous matches. So we will start off, we'll start off positively. Let's turn our attentions back to the uh, Europa League tie against Slavia Prague away, which we were 4-0 winners, which was a great performance. Uh, I'm just going to run through the team lineups. You guys uh, just tell me your your views and you know how you felt that result was uh, how you felt about that result basically. So um, we started with Leno and goal holding. We had holding and Pablo Mari in the centre defence. Uh, Callum Chambers and I think Granit Xhaka was playing at left back. Yeah, Granit Xhaka left back. Danny Ceballos, Agent Ceballos, <laughs> and Thomas Partey in the middle of uh, midfield. Smith Rowe, Bakaya Saka, Nicolas Pepe, and Alexandra Lack. Gazette. Uh it's flashing on my phone apparently that City are out of this thing and Barcelona apparently are as well. So but we'll we'll see if that's actually confirmed. But uh yeah. Lineup, were you guys happy with the lineup? Xhaka was making another start at left back. Agent Ceballos uh in Europe. Kib, surely you weren't happy with that. Well, it's hard to talk about these players right now, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you, it just doesn't surprise me. Well, well, like I'm not surprised to see Shabayos. He, he, he did. He, he did he, well, though. He did. He, he did he, well. He did well. Uh, yeah, he, he did. He did do well against Slavia Prague. But you know, what? it was a big win. Um, so I say, well done to all those that started. Um, they justified their their places. It, it's yeah. It just kind of makes me think that we, we did make it difficult for ourselves, but we were able to turn that around in the second leg and really put them to the sword. So yeah, well done, um, Agent Sabas. He's um, said the last few games has actually been alright, but that. Uh, doesn't really change things for me, if I'm being honest. I have to come in because I think we've let the result against Fulham and this Super League news really do us down. Thursday night, 25 minutes into that game, I was fully gassed. Fully gassed. It's a long time ago. We were fluid. But I'm I'm, I'm loving your energy. Take us us back to that moment, Amari. Take us back to that moment last Thursday. Like, the way that we were flying at them, seeing Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe in full flight, it was glorious. And for 25 minutes of football, it blew, it blew them away completely. And, and, you know, it made the whole game boring. I think if we listened to last week's podcast, I said, obviously, we're going to make it interesting. You know, we're going into the last 10 minutes, not knowing how this result is going to go. At half time, I was like, oh, do I even want to watch 
the rest, like, it's done. It's finished. Jeopardy, no jeopardy. It's finished. You, 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 you can never be so confident when Arsenal play, right? You can never be so confident. To, There's to, always something in us. The to only... Sorry, uh, the only doubt I had was when that first, when that goal got disallowed, I was worried yeah. that, you know, we might um, take our foot off the gas and be a bit unsure of ourselves. But straight away, you know, Smith Rowe picked up the ball, driving away at the, at the, um, at the defence. Uh, was that the goal? No, 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 it was, that was, that was, that was for the penalty. But um, no, straight away, we pick up the ball and we, and we, we're going back at them and we get Pepe yeah. in behind and he, he gets the goal and. We just, yeah, great, great thing. And to be fair, Amari, that's what you said. I think that's what we both said in last week's pods. If we're going to come out in that game, we're going to have to go at them, right? Um, and take the game away from them. Um, and I think you, you kind of pointed out that it might be clearer in the players' heads and and, and maybe Arteta's mind what they need to do on um, this time round. And yeah, sure as hell, that was the case. They seemed fired up. Um, really fired up, so that's what I mean. Uh, it kind of makes you think: Why are we so inconsistent? Because why wasn't that present in the first leg? But, but again, remember- I can't, yeah, I'm going to not be too harsh because that can happen on any given kind of tie or leg. It's not given, so I won't. I won't. I won't. It's just I, hard I, to see sometimes. <laughs> I think. I think what, what I was more, you know. What I said at the end of the uh, of last week's pod or during when we were reviewing that game was the good thing is that Slavia are in a difficult position. They didn't know whether to stick or twist, right? Because they, they had the away goal. They didn't know whether they needed to come out and kill the game or just sit because at that point they were going through. And that worked to our advantage. And if you, Every pundit was saying that Arsenal just need to go for it from the off. And like Amari saying, that's what we did. And that's what we needed to do. And like, you know, I'll, I'll, second, I'll second that. And like, you know, when Smith Rowe got that first, when he, when he advanced for the first, uh, for the first, um, you know, for the first break, and then that led to Saka's shot, good save. Smith Rowe tapped it in. I jumped. And when they were going to VLR, I left the room. And by the time I came back, we'd scored, we'd scored our first proper goal. So I was actually kind of, kind of relieved. So it's just good that Arsenal... You know, and we were saying this as well, which is all combining the fact that uh, that um, Slavia didn't know whether to stick or twist, but Arsenal clearly knew what they had to do. They couldn't sit; they had to come out and attack. And we've we've said a couple of times, uh, we alluded to it last season, that when Arsenal are in this sort of position, like in the FA Cup semi-final and in the final, they kind of like find some form. I'm just hoping that they're going to be able to carry that onto Villarreal because that's definitely one team that we do not want to lose to. We cannot lose that now. We really, really cannot afford to lose that because Unai Emery cannot... You know, I'll come to... I'm, I'm going on a bit of a rant. Although I really want us to beat him, we need to give that guy a bit of props because Emery is the reason why we are seeing Saka Smith-Rowe come through and Martinelli. He was the one that gave him their initial chances in the Europa League and also flooding them into the first team. So for whatever Emery was crap with us in the end, he has been in, integral to the development of Smith-Rowe, Saka, Martinelli came under his watch and whatnot. So we had to give him a bit of props. But yeah, very, very happy that Arsenal put that, uh, put that game to bed quite easily. Penalty. Anyone want to chat about the penalty? 
I, I don't have much more to say about the individual <laughs> goals other than the fact that what 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 just happened? Joker in it. That's good. That's a good line. I liked it. <laughs> Straight <laughs> to the point. Other than the fact that I love Emil Smith Rowe, and I was just happy that everything that he did led to something positive for us. Mm. In that in that position, right? Because you know, like Keon and a couple of old school Arsenal boys have been really complaining about the fact that uh, he's not uh, he's not. Um, playing in central in that sort of like number 10 position and Odegaard might force him out. So it was really good to see him in that position dominating, uh, well, dominating or really taking, taking the, the, the game by the grip. Yeah, and he led, he, him and Saka really did lead from the front. It felt, you know, yeah. obviously, yeah, I can't find fault. It, it really, really works well with the both of them. Um, Saka, you know, I think I think I was highly critical. Maybe not. Of, yeah, well, actually, no. Let me not lie. I was highly critical of the team, especially the attacking players. Um, and Saka's been off, I would say, uh, for for a number a number of games. It's kind of it's kind of it's kind of like he he heard that, and then we saw. He just looked, yeah, he looked sharp. He looked sharp. Um, and I was, I was just really happy to see him um, play the way that he did because it just, uh, it puts us in good steads yeah. for, for for the semi-final on, right? Because if, it's, so, it's, it's, it's actually night and day now without ESR, Saka performing well, yeah, we are finished. Yeah, yeah. That energy, Pretty much. very, that, very clear. That, that they're the temp, they, they set the tempo um, alongside a few others, but going forwards, they're, they're the connecting dots. We can kind of, even with lack of playing brilliantly, we can kind of place someone else there. Pepe can be rotated with someone else in there. Um, I just don't think we can afford to have those players uh, not on the pitch if, if they're fit. And I, I, I know Arteta will be starting the both of them because he's shown that throughout the season. As Omari said, there's there's not much more I can say about them. I think that's as complimentary uh, let, I can be. Uh, let's okay, uh, yeah, because okay, well, let's talk about uh, Saka's goal. How how great a finish was that then, right? Because he, he was that is good because obviously he missed two chances in the first leg, so it really looked. And what I love about that finish is just before he takes the finish, he looks at the keeper, and he realizes the keeper's committing to go to the other side and then he just smashes it into bottom corner of that side and the keeper just sort of like leans as if oh no he, he definitely can't get it so I just like Saka's intelligence in that goal and it just shows his maturity I mean he really really needs and his his interview after the game was really great as well um, it just shows just again backing what you're saying uh, Kibbs and that how integral he is to our team now uh, Amari can you say something about that? Yes, I can say something about. I can right. join you on the intelligence point All because right, definitely on the for the disallowed goal, it's very obviously we, we all know he, for the disallowed goal he goes he goes far post, um, hits the post, and then you know gets another opportunity and yeah, like you said, freezes the keeper and then bends it the other way. Um, really good finish, clinical. Um. 
and just all round, he's, he just looked so dangerous. And then I know he carried it on again onto onto Sunday's game, but it's it's looked- great to see him like that. Um, and yeah, just um, yeah, I, I was just so happy to see those two to be being at the heart of everything that we did well. It was just so lovely to see. Can, can I can I just also maybe something I thought personally is that if there was a kind of choice to move Xhaka, it would be very important again to move Xhaka back into the midfields. Um, and if Cedric's not an option, I actually thought, I, I really did think that if ESR, ESR was playing, that Saka should be moved to left back. But that, that's, that's just thrown that out of the window now. Go on, Alan. <laughs> that's, that's been completely thrown out of the window. So I'm going to have to take that back and just say, yeah, he's he could play anywhere, but He's proven he can play anywhere, both if we have to win this thing. And so he's, that's his position. Yeah. Yeah. Can I also shout out my boy Cal- Callum Chambers? Just for the fact that. No, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you have to. You have to. That, ball, that, that ball that he played in, yeah. that quick feet, Amari, yeah. taking away. I just loved it. I just loved it when he just he skipped around the skip around the player and then just on his left on his left just like slips into Saka. Oh man, I'm very happy. I'm happy that you know he's, he's getting a run of games. I'm happy that Mari came in, and again we just looked we just looked very calm when he's at centre back with, with holding. Um, do Do you think on that subject of Mari before we just I, I think we we just need to touch on Lacazette's uh. Like I said, second goal because that was very good interplay. But on the subject of Mari, with the whole discussion about David Luiz's contract, right? Why can't Mari be the equivalent of that? Why can't he be the experienced head amongst the Gabriel, the Holdings, the Salibas, hopefully to come in, the Callum Chambers if he gets given a new contract, or Mavropanos? Because he does, you know. We can take the mick and say, look, you know, we see the games in which Pablo Mari's played in, right? He's played in maybe one big game before this, which was maybe the City game at home and Chelsea. And we can say that oh, all his other games are just like against, you know, bottom clubs. But he does give us some degree of assurance in that in that back line. And, that, you know, well, he's just very steady on the ball. Are we saying that he's not there? I, I think he will be. I think no, the, I, I, I'm just saying, right, because there's all this talk about David Luiz potentially getting a new contract. Why do we need to give him a new contract where Pablo Marie seemingly does the same sort of job in terms well, of being an experienced player? Honestly, I, 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 I literally, it sounds weird, but I literally think it's because Luiz is right, it's where he's playing um, and, and the possibility he can even move to the left as well. And he's, he can play in the back three. He yeah. can play exactly that. That's, that's why. And, he, and let's, Let's face it, Louise, he he has the ability to with him on the ball from the back, you can kind of miss some build up. Um we can execute things a bit quicker. I, I haven't Mar stayed in the ball, but I, I don't think it's the same thing in that regard. But to your point, Mary could absolutely be that person, but I still think uh we're gonna have to find a replacement. I, uh... I don't, I don't know. I think, if, I think if it's we a, keep, I think so. Yeah. I, I think if we keep David Luiz, I, I think we've got issues in terms of the amount of centre backs and and yeah. whether or not we can we can accommodate William Saliba. I'm a bit uh, concerned about that. But that's I think get rid of Luiz, man. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, a, that I, would I, be I my think, thing. 
I think we get rid of him. We bring back Saliba. I think we have to start looking at holding as being an experience and a back. Yeah. And there's no reason why not. He's 25 years old. He's will have played a pretty much a full season um, this year and had lots of seasons of experience before that. Um, or maybe he's 24 actually. But Cal Chambers as well. Uh, oh, he doesn't play the centre back often, but he's another option. Um, and yeah. extending Louise. Louise is just so for all the good. There will be six mistakes next and he's season. Getting, and he's getting older. That cost can't, us games. Do you know what I mean? Can't run um, away from from. Yeah, it has to be the end of the line for him, man. I, I honestly, I, do you really think we'll keep hold hold um, hold of uh, holding and Chambers, or do you think one of them will go? Uh, I feel, I feel one of them might go, but you know, I'm not, and I think that probably might be Callum Chambers. But you know, he's he's done so well recently that he probably deserves something. Not it Callum. Could be, it could be. It could be. It could um, be. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think there's a lot of things we want to do this summer. I don't know, and I just don't know how we're even gonna where we're even gonna start because Bellerin's gonna go. I agree that probably one of Chambers holding is probably going to go. Mavropanos and Saliba, I don't think both of them are coming back. Mavropanos can go, man. <laughs> I know he can, but for some reason, you know, I want to see him being given a chance. But look, that, that's that's maybe another another pod to come, guys. Sorry, that's probably my fault going off cue. Um, quickly, the Lacazette uh, goal to make it 4-0 and then we'll have to move on to the Fulham game. So, you know, good. Uh, Zach uh, gets it on the left-hand side, plays in uh, Nicolas Pepe. Pepe drives up that left wing. Really good cutback or a good cutback. Lacazette makes it into a really good cutback with his touch and then he takes it on, shifts it onto his left and a very, very good finish. So nice for him. He was leading the line. He had a lot to prove given his misses. Well done to Lacazette for leading the line and showing a captain's performance. Yeah, lovely finish. I mean, I I remember a couple a year ago, so I was like, yeah, Lacazette's just live wire in the box. And the ball comes to him in the box, he's live wire. And then I don't know what happened over like the last year. He just started dropping deeper and deeper and playing this nine and a half role. And I don't know, like that goal was a bit of a throwback to like what he's what he's shown before in terms of just like couple of touches quickly shifts to get a bit of space and then finishes for um yeah great to see um long may it continue and to all you guys that are hating on Aubameyang you know or or saying that you know Lacazette it should be Aubameyang hating on Aubameyang but saying he should start on Thursday like me I think that's all of us. I, I, think, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was a case for like if if Orbit don't start and it's not for like uh, a, a good reason, then it's further showing us what Artessa thinks about him, right? Um, hey man, I've always made a case for Lacar unless we can listen back. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I will I, listen. Yeah, I will listen you back. I've been making all, all the stats for Lacar, man. All the stats, uh, but Lacazette, Lacazette has he's still got to be sold, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the thing, right? He's still, still got to go, but you know, he's you know, he's I'm glad that he's showing his pedigree because you know, he was our player of the season in Emery's, in Emery's first full season, his player of the season, and he deserved it with his with his energy and his 
he didn't like get loads of goals. I think he could maybe got like 15 or 16 goals that season. But it was just his energy and determination, which really we really liked. But we 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 didn't see that enough last season, and as well as that, he wasn't scoring enough goals. Um, gentlemen, uh, we should go to a break because we've got a big debate in terms of the ESL. But we have to touch on this Fulham game. It's the usual thing with Arsenal, and this is why you know we all predicted wins. I think uh, against Fulham. But there's also, as soon as we won 4 0, as soon as we won 4 0, I was thinking to myself, there's going to be a bit of a come down because Arsenal, whenever there's so much good press about us, we can never sustain it into the good game. The press start talking about us as they're like, you know, we're almost like world champions, we're world beaters in the way we dispatched Slavia Prague. (laughs) But then it comes to the Fulham game and it was so drab and we somehow scraped a 1 1 draw out of it. You know, and that funny enough, I was thinking to myself, Eddie Nketiah, he could play for Fulham, right? For, he could maybe make a name at Fulham, but he's not going to make a name at Arsenal. But he certainly, he certainly got us out of jail uh, on Sunday with that final goal. Just quickly, I'll go to you, Kibbs, first uh, on this. Just your summary on this game, and then we move on quickly to Amari, and then we'll go to part two. Honestly. Perfect game in the Emirates to really... That was like a game of the past where you just think, yeah, we're going to smack up Fulham and that's a big win. But what can I say? Europa League hangover and uh, to be fair to Fulham, this season with Scott Parker, especially with recently, defend a whole lot better. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just what, we, what we've kind of seen a lot. So we've had a, we had a few decisions... Not necessarily sure against us, but tight decisions maybe. Um, a yeah, few we were plays, unlucky, we were unlucky yeah. but you know, how many times can you be unlucky? You just got to get the job done, um, and it's not something we can do. So happy that we got that. Happy that we didn't lose, and we kind of got that uh, last minute goal. Happy that Eddie got his goal as well. It's always good for his value. Maybe make it a, a run of games as as the you know end of Premier League comes even less important. Um, yeah, Lacker Lacker pulled his hamstring, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Eddie starting on Friday, and that was yeah. the last time I remember him starting Everton away. So yeah, yeah, that wasn't a great game. That does yeah. as well. <laughs> that does as well. As well. But what, one thing I'll maybe highlight uh, again. You kind of just touched on it, actually. Uh, it's well, you touched on it in the last game about Mari. What what were you saying about um, Gabby? Not Martinelli, our other boy in the yeah. back. Yeah, I like him. I really like him. But I, really like I really, him. I really like him as well. But he just, he, there's always, he's got a cloud over him of mistakes recently, right? Which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, shame. He's got a cloud of over him as mistakes. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's maybe it's just that he's he's young. But it's just from where he started this season to where he is at this moment in time, you you do get a feeling that when he's on the pitch, it's not as assured as you should be. And I, I, for me, he's still my first choice centre back in terms of all round or whatever. But it's just frustrating that he's getting a. He's he's having me make a couple of mistakes, and that wasn't even a penalty, to be honest. I mean, it was very, 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 very. What's the word I'm looking for? Very, very on the margins. Yeah. On the margins, or very, very. You know, 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't have liked it. Well, it was given against us, but you what know, does, does <laughs> I, I didn't me, like it. What does me is when you see a centre half do, you know, the old hands in the air, like I didn't touch him, like it's a penalty. Oh, yeah, I feel yeah. like just because you've done that, like it's a yeah. penalty. Yeah, the goes, goes, you're finished. Don't be doing that on Sunday mornings <laughs> in my land, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Toast is doing that. <laughs> I've come, I've come I, I, I came off a stonking victory on, on Sunday, so no need, no need. By your side. Um, no need. Before we go to a break, you mentioned someone, uh, you mentioned Joe Willock and the Academy boys earlier. I did yeah. get a question in from, from someone about Joe Willock. Um, Let's hear it. You got the, you got the old, got the winner on Saturday. A question from, from longtime listener, David, or Dave Easters, as Kibbs, Kibbs knows him. Um, it was asking, you know, do we bring Joe Willock back and make him the make him the heart of our our squad, build the squad around him? Um, I, I I've I've thought about this to myself, right? About out of him and Maitland Niles, who's likely to have more of an Arsenal career? Because I think that's what it will come down to, for the most part. I don't think both of them will stay. If, if both come when both come back from their loans, definitely one of them is going. And I think to myself, which one would I rather keep? And I think I would. I think Willock has more of a goal-getting mentality, and what he's showing at Newcastle is very good. And that's something that we can need. I think that he's not going to be like sort of like an all-round box-to-box sort of midfielder, but. And I think that's what Maitland-Niles wants to be. But I can't trust Maitland-Niles in that position because as good as he is playing for West Brom, I think for Arsenal to go into another sort of, uh, another sort of level, Maitland-Niles can't be the heart of that. I think Joe Willock with his goal-scoring ability, which, you know, it's very, it's very good. He scored against Tottenham uh, last minute. He scored against uh, whoever Newcastle played. Who was it that they played? Uh, I yeah. can't remember. He scored in the last minute again, but he yeah. he's showing he's showing his ability to get into the box, and I think that's what we miss from our midfield, if anything. You you, you know, uh, so it's, I know you just said, but, but I think both me and Amari had quite a soft spot for Nick, right? Yeah. Um. I, I yeah, it's really good what he's doing. He's shown some good credentials. I just, I'm not too sure if it's going to be enough. Because at the end of the day, for him playing like that, it would be unfair for him to come back and be in the reserves. And not he, he could really be something, um, but he he just needs to be given um, continuous game time. You never know what can happen in football. I'm hoping that he doesn't go to one of our rivals. I'm not too sure who our rivals are now because we're languishing in like ninth and tenth. So it could be Southampton, it could be anyone, but he needs a run of games. And I just Rather than looking at it like him as an asset, I think as a like academy a youth player, I hope he can. I hope he get some good money for him. I hope he can move along with his career and make something of himself. The only the only doubt I have is that he's he's still coming off the bench for Newcastle. You know, he's getting goals, but he's doing it from the bench over the last couple mm. of weeks. And and it's just that you know to play in the heart of our midfield, you need to be able to keep the ball really well, and that's the one thing really not sure about with him but we'll see man and I'm happy for him that he's doing well and he's getting his name 
scoring winning goals and goals that are getting points is important. Um, yeah. And hopefully secures them a good future. Yeah. All right, guys, that was, uh, that was uh, part one of a Temperamental Gunners podcast. We're going to come back with part two. And part two is all going to be about this uh, European Super League. Um, things are changing very, very quickly. There's breaking news all over the place about teams pulling out. So uh, let's, this is like almost a live, po- almost a live podcast in a sense. Um, all right. So boys, we'll be back right after this. Oh my God, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid pulling out. All right. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're back for part two of the Temperamental Gunas podcast. Uh, so it's all about the European Super League that was um, formally announced on Sunday night. I'm sure everybody who is listening uh, knows about it. And, you know, things are changing really, really quickly. We're seeing breaking news that Chelsea are uh, pulling out. Man City are. So are Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. Um, that's what's happening now. Let's try and take you guys, take a, a step back and go back to Sunday when this was formally announced. Uh, Amari, as a football fan, and particularly an Arsenal football fan, uh, how disappointed were you to hear Arsenal being linked with this and the sort of like ramifications of Arsenal going forward uh, in terms of domestically, how that would affect us? Well... I suppose, like Kib said, like this for as long as well I can remember, like since I've been properly following football, there's been chat about this ESL, um, and I've I've never paid it a lot of mind because I've always kind of felt like it wouldn't actually, you know, whether it would actually happen or whether it was something that was so far away I didn't really have to be concerned of it. And then on Sunday I'm seeing it being announced. And I think that's what got everyone so like riled up about it. It was very it was a big it was a bit of a shock. I know there's been lots of talk about different plans and you know project big picture. It wasn't that long ago we were talking about that and this new Champions League format was already enough to annoy me. So um this ESL is a no it's just an as as again, I don't know whether Kim said it on air or off air, but it's an extension of that new Champions League format. But the thing that got to me is is this the impact they could have on our domestic involvement? Um, because as an Arsenal fan, what 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 do I, you know, what's my bread and butter? And it's Saturday kickoffs at three p.m. in the Premier League. I know that doesn't really happen anymore, but that's what that's what we care about. That's what we follow. You know, the Champions League is, you know, fantastic, and it it comes out of that, but. To disconnect the two would be, yeah, unfathomable to me. Kibbs, thinking where you were on Sunday or how you felt on Sunday. I, I, I think I call them bandits, right? Not group. Yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. it. And, and then at first I saw, was Gary Neville? I think Gary Neville maybe made a statement on it live mm. on air, right? And do you know what I'm going to say? I ain't falling for broadcasters tricks or anything like that they, they shouldn't be our spokes people for, for anything in this regard in terms of um what what it is to be a football fan or how we should feel about this because anyway I, I heard about Neville um and immediately what I caught onto as an Arsenal fan is is that is, is that exact point 
about maybe the likes of Arsenal, Spurs, a few others. Like, in what right do we have to even consider ourselves elite in that sense? That privilege. So that that really got into my skin um, before I'd even start to read anything there. But then, I don't know, it's weird. Like, doing all my studies and stuff, right? It, it sounds really weird. But in, if there's going to be, like, any form of policy or political change, there needs to be, like, seismic events. So at some points, I was actually thinking that this might be an opportunity. Mm. Um, and as much as I was, yeah, you know, angry at these, the clubs per se, and especially Arsenal and our conduct, uh, my, my laser eye really turned to UEFA as Amari knows UEFA and the governing bodies, broadcast associations and just thinking, how did it get to this point where, uh, these 12, wield so much power and they still do um how have uefa enabled these clubs to have the brashness to to be so it was blase there was no form of communication it came out of nowhere uh, apparently managers were not made aware yeah players were well, not we, made aware we saw so that with Klopp yesterday so yeah it, it just exposed many things for me and, and there's so many like vested interests I was kind of just trying to take one clear message from it. Um, and from it, I took that fans, we sh certainly should and, and need to have a part to play in decisions. And I'm hoping now, maybe what we've seen with Chelsea, um, I'm hoping if there's some form of legislation or if, if we, maybe we can, if there's like a fan-led review, um, we may be able to create an independent board which will kind of make these owners think twice or maybe they are thinking twice now maybe that's it but I just, I just for a second guys want to play devil's advocate here because oh, let me just state my thing first and foremost because obviously as an Arsenal fan um, this is obviously something that's quite worrying us being us us being involved in this competition like this and the and the whole soullessness of of the competition and the fact that it would even potentially threaten as omari says our participation in domestic league and never mind the whole fact that excuse me it's just unfair and like how it doesn't allow for teams to progress to the top echelons of european clubs of uh, being a european club right but just to play devil's advocate here, um, doesn't the custodian, the current custodians of Arsenal, the you know the, uh, the, the, the who are the Cronkers? That's it, the Cronkers, KSE, and whatnot, whatnot. Like any business, don't they have to do the best for their business? And in terms of the revenue potential of this competition that would be doing the best for Arsenal, would it not? So didn't they have to do this? Didn't we have to be in and around this? Didn't we have to, for inverted commas, maybe they could say to secure the future of Arsenal, given the pandemic and given how we rely so much 
on match day revenues and how there's talk about you know the 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 rights to the Premier League are are, are saturated. How we need to look to other markets to be able to it, you know get revenue streams from. Didn't a club it, like Arsenal have to be involved in this? So yeah, if we're not looking from a fans' perspective, it wasn't. Yeah, they they had to, but they, they probably want they really wanted to as well. Um, mm. Uh, I think some people talk about culture and and primarily a lot of, well, especially with some of the English clubs, a lot of them are like American owners, where this franchise sort of dilution of the sport is kind of a norm. Um, They may not even understand the appropriateness of like relegation, I guess, even from a domestic league, right? It's all very much based on the financials. Mm. Um, So, yeah. To that point, and and with with this Super League being in like the coattails for what Wenger said ten years or so, I guess maybe this is something they've been planning for because they they've never spent money. It's not like City and Chelsea where the owners have pumped actually pumped their own money into their club respectively. This is another get out mm. for our owners, so they don't need to spend anything at all. Not they don't need to invest in our club per se. The, the the question about you know what's the best for their business is 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 fine but what you, you the thing with football and sport is that there's a the fans and the and the aim of the the sport itself still should kind of ground your business's like ambitions but what what like what Kibbs is saying is that you know for for KSE like they don't see the the sporting element isn't important to them like it's purely just about what generates the most money and obviously yeah like you say going into Arsenal could guarantee themselves like huge amounts of revenues without having to you know worry about dropping from the top table like that's a win-win situation for a that doesn't want to put any yeah, money into the club. Like, you know, at the moment he has to speculate to accumulate and he could just get into a position where he can just accumulate and chill. Um, so that, that does make sense for sure. But it's just like, yeah, it really makes me like, it makes me, I went onto Arsenal's website and I saw that statement about we've, we've joined the European Super League and I actually felt sick. I was like, who who do you think you are? You're speaking for me. Like, and it's and I know I have no actual say. As much as fans say, like, yeah, you know, it's our club and all that stuff. It's no, it's not been our club and it hasn't been our club for years. But I still feel like, yo, this is mine. And you're just you you just think you can do whatever you want with it. Do you know what I mean? And um I just wonder who they're trying to package this content up for, because it's not for fans like us, right? I don't know whether no. I'd consume this ESL in the no. same way, but that's the thing. They're looking, it is just content for them. They'll exactly. bid, off, bid the rights off to Amazon Prime and Netflix and shit like yeah. that, and then yeah. capture viewers from around the world, the fans that just don't really give a shit about, you know, football really, but, you know, want to see Mbappe playing on the pitch with Haaland every other week. Like, no, I'm not about it. Kibbs? Hey. <sighs> yeah. 
I'm saying as soon you've known Kronke's intentions from the get-go um, and there's absolutely no masking it now. So uh, with with the kind of domino effect that's been happening, boy, uh, you kind of hope that he's now starting to think this is this is not worth as much trouble it's given me. But yeah. yeah. Two years ago, we were listed. We were listed company, and he he bought all of our shares and he took us off the off the exchange, and you know completely hid us from public view. All these things are in step. They're steps towards this this point, right? This, yeah. And and we've never, you know, it just takes me back to whenever he bought into the board and David Dean was like, "I'm not about this. I'm out." Like how. Like, what did he pitch to the board then when he was buying his shares and he was taking his holding? Like, I can't believe this is a surprise to people that we're involved in that. You know? I, 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 I'm, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say. These incremental steps. It's like you're looking at Arsenal's, like, competitive decline, right? It, as we've discussed, it seems sudden. But actually, when you look back at it, just... Look back at it as a fan in the last 20 years or however long. The signs were there and they always were there and it's gradually just got worse and worse. The signs have always been there. We, not just with Kronke, but with the sports in general. With the Premier League, with, with European football, it, it was building up to this point. Um, kind of makes you think, how can how, even if this stops? How can we be happy with how things are and what's even being proposed after this? Ed Edward would have resigned. Yeah, and and, and the UVA and and the UVA too as well. See, so I mean, look, what's guys, going on here? Man? You see, it, 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 we, so, we, this is, so Mario, that's what you're saying, we're, right? We're doing this yeah. Live. So, and Mario, that's what you're saying to me. It's like, what what can happen? This this can happen. No, but like, obviously, that's fantastic, but. Well, that's, that's great for Man United and stuff, but like they put their all in their eggs in that basket, right? That's it, yeah. But that's the thing again. But United is a publicly owned club, right? The problem, the problem that Arsenal always have is that K KSC don't have to answer to no one. They don't have to answer to nobody. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I was talking about legislation, independent bodies. There needs to be better checks and balances. And and do you know what? Uh, and I mean it by the the fact of teams get teams essentially you know the broadcasting money that not being enough and essentially teams not able to afford the wages player player wages look at look at the state of Barcelona room there needs to be checks because if if the game of football especially European football is based on these super elite teams right how there needs to be some intervention before some of these teams fail there's a real possibility especially some of these Spanish teams that if they continue in the structure that they are, they're going to be finished. Or, yeah. or is it Mark, or, uh, maybe put your economics out on there and it, are we allowing this? Is it almost like, are we going to allow some of these people to fail? Is that, is that the name of the game? Look, there's, there's a choice to be made then. If that's the problem, then you bring in a, you bring in a salary cap. Absolutely. And I think that's what... That, yeah. if, that's, if that's a real problem, you bring FFP, in a salary cap. But then FFP. people talk... No, but you see, financial fair play, the reason why I have a problem with that is because that was just another version of putting up the drawbridge, right? It was another way of 
you know, the the clubs that are established now saying, yo, I can't have uh, Man City, City yeah, yeah. happening. That can't happen because, all right, yes, on the one hand, now I have to pay people ridiculous amounts of money because they could always, there's always an alternative going to City. But on the other hand, there's now another player in town who's going to dilute the, the money that we have. So I was never really sure about FFP because, again, I, I, I didn't feel like the intentions were really there about, you know, preventing people from throwing their money around. I think, I mean, a wage cap might make sense, but it it sticks in the, in the throat of some people. It makes people feel very uneasy, the idea of, you know, capping salaries. But cap on salaries prevents there needing to be this kind of chase for more money and for where's this where's this other source of revenue it prevents fans from having to pay a hundred pounds to go and watch arsenal get slapped up by a good club in in european competition because that's all that will happen next season when we if we get win the europa league and and not not to bypass these broadcasters as well they've got a part to play because at the end of the day how how we listen I was of an age where if I wasn't living at my parents' house, I would have never been able to afford. If they're talking about 16 to 24-year-olds, why is it the way that it it is? Listen, like, BT Sport, like, BT Sport actually make me sick as well because you buy the rights to the Champions League to the point that it can't even be viewed on terrestrial television. Like, when I was younger and I didn't have Sky, like, the one thing I knew about was being able to, like, watch... Champions League on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday night on ITV, like at least Tuesdays whoever was playing. Tuesday and Wednesday, I'll watch, I'll Best watch a game. My life. Yeah, and then BT Sport come in, pay for Champions League's right, and can't even can't even fucking broadcast it properly, and and, and then take it off terrestrial TV. And, and, and then I mean? they've got the say so to stand on high moral grounds. And and spout this nonsense. No, this is an opportunity for. Okay, we all know. We all know about Sky. Like, let's not. Let's, let's not, not go. Yeah. Guys, like, guys, 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 guys. Let, can... Let's let's cut, let's bring this back to us. I will say though, right? Sky, or whatever they're bad, they they have been the ones that have made that I've. Obviously, our football started before 1992 when the Premiership started, but I think Sky have marketed. The Premier League quite well in my time. I've really enjoyed the uh, the the. Pro- and I don't want to say the product because then I'll get stoned. But I've really enjoyed what they've done with it. But uh, nonetheless, like you guys have said, they've um, they were the initial uh, sort of like uh, precursor to this with when they broke away and they created the Premier League. So it's a bit of chickens coming home to roost. Now, look, guys, I want to get you back on track slightly. In terms of Arsenal, what do we do now? We're looking at these other teams who are pulling out of this ESL. Um, Man City have apparently pulled out. Chelsea are looking to pull out. Apparently, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are pulling out. No word yet from Arsenal Football Club. Um, if, and if Edward would have, if Edward would have resigned, then I assume that United are going to go soon as well. Well, Gla- so, apparently, Glazers are may actually sell you. <laughs> yeah, but where from an Arsenal point of view, where do Arsenal go from here now? Because this 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 ESL is seemingly now not going to happen because you know some of these big clubs have stepped out um how do arsenal sort of like come back from this in terms of reconnecting with the fans because a lot of fans feel betrayed right now 
um, by Arsenal putting their names to this. What does the club look to try and do and how long will it take to get the fans back on side? Imagine if, we, imagine if we had fans in the stadium now because there will be utter riots. So these guys are lucky that they've done this in a season where they aren't allowed fans. But yeah, just what, what do Arsenal, what, where do Arsenal go from here? Listen, I think a week is a long time in football. I think as well, these owners have been showing us in many different ways that they don't give a fuck about us. So I don't think Arsenal fans in particular are going to be, you know, shocked by that. Um, and I think the relationship between Arsenal fans and like the hierarchy of the club has been broken for time immemorial. Like no one's out here, you know, Kwonke out is just a thing that's said. No one asks if you Kwonke in or Kwonke out. Like no one wants Kwonke around. So, you know, fuck him. It's fine. Um, do, we, do, do the fans need to now, Omari, do we now as a, as a group, need to properly mobilise and get in, like, you know, in terms of demonstrations? Because I'm quite impressed with what I see about Chelsea uh, on the news now. They're out there in front of step, the, the fans out there in Stamford Bridge, you know, calling out their club against this. Arsenal fans, if this ESL doesn't happen, do we need to mobilise and really do our utmost to try and get the, the Cronkers out? Because they've shown their hand. They've shown what they the contempt that they have for the game in in England or, you know, yeah, the game and its traditions in England. Arsenal have to do whatever they can to try and get him out, don't they? They have to make uh, life uncomfortable in that sense. You know, we're, we're yeah. too much... I always feel that as a crowd, we, we don't sort of, like, protest well enough. Even when we had our factions of Wenger in, Wenger out, it was still very, very, you know, half-assed in terms I... of some of the things i agree to that to some extent but i think the for example the thing that made them push wenger out was that man city game when no one turned up when we that eventually man, when man we eventually game and, voted and with another, our, that man city game and the i think it was a watford game as well there was a watford game on the sunday in which there's like hardly anyone there and that just yeah. made yeah once once you know so i think Yes, I would love to think that there's some way that we could force them out. Um, and I think, yeah, the only way it would be would be fan pressure. Um, and what can unite a fan base more than this? And reputation. I mean, reputation that affects uh, business ties. Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah. I'm not too sure. It's with Arsenal's position as well, we're, not, we're actually not quite there at the top. So I think we're in this kind of middle ground where our stance on this could have a detrimental effect on, on, on business ties to a certain extent, I think, personally. And on top of fan pressure, um, sustained fan pressure, and I mean, how, how, how if this opportunity now, how willing are, are we as fans to boycott yeah, I mean, games now, to be yeah, serious about is... shirts, everything? Yeah, and, and the thing is, so this would actually hurt now at the moment. You know, if this ESL doesn't go ahead, the things that Arsenal rely on is fans in the stadium, is, you know, whatever sponsorship deals and stuff they can get. So, 
my missus was always asking me, you know, what would it take for you to like not support Arsenal? Like, you can't just always be like, oh yeah, I love them to the end. Like, and I didn't actually know, but apparently this was this is the the area where it's like, <laughs> yo, I will leave this club behind <laughs> in the it's, rear view. It, it's true, right? Because I was thinking to myself, like, if this all goes ahead, I was thinking to myself, okay, well, fine. If that's how Arsenal are going to be, that this could be my last season as in just being actively following them and thinking to myself you know because obviously you know even when they're being crap as they are you still want to watch them yeah there's still some drug within you that still compels you to watch them and you know what's going to happen you know how you're going to be go on this roller coaster ride and you know go through all the emotions but you still want to watch but i was probably thinking to myself okay cool you can just you will have to make that break it will be hard but you will just have to say they don't give a, a monkeys about about us as fans. So thank you very much. I'll move on. Start supporting someone silly like Charlton Athletic, which is my second London team. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, Arsenal are so bad at points, and I'm just going to say it. Like Arsenal have been so lackluster. Uh, uh, a lot of people have lost interest. Anyway, right? A lot of people have lost so. interest yeah. in the club. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I think this gives people some hope against seeing what's going on with, with other teams. Um, I don't think we'll ever get, it's, it's actually true, like in terms of that competitive edge, that's actually what's letting us down. And it's like seeped into the culture of the club, it's rotten. Yeah. Um, how, can, <laughs> how can you be so comfortable, players? What enables players to be so comfortable? But is this again like it? But it's manifesting this laziness that the board clearly has in terms of thinking, you know what? We don't have to push to be part of it because, in however long, whether it's you know three, four, five years, they're thinking we just join this ESL and it's all going to be calm. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that just that just when the culture at the top, I mean, I don't know whether that's the case, but if that's the case. Yeah. You know, how can you expect anything, anyone yeah. down below to really, really push to yeah. have that hunger? It's true, it's true. Well, we all do now, and I you can't stop here. <laughs> you wafer, man. They can't come out of this looking all squeaking clean. Yeah, they, yeah, they've. Uh, so, what annoyed me was Infantino, who, if you saw him, who's probably been one of the most, who is, well, we can't say anything, but, you know, the, the Infantino's got some links which are a bit questionable. Um, shall we say? So the way he was like, either you're in or you're out, and trying to look so pious up there, it was a bit, it was a bit annoying. Um, guys, Wait, I think can we, we just to... can we just laugh at Spurs for a second here? Yeah, in all, <laughs> in all types of way, because are they deluded? In what like, way? We're How deluded. They got there in we're the deluded. we're obviously deluded. Yeah, but these men, they they've not won an English title since '61. That's even before you were born, Toes. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> and on that note, Tamari, on that note, I am going to call a halt to this because I've not seen so much passion from you and it's spilling over. You need to control yourself, young man. You need to control yourself. Listeners, I'm calling a halt to this, right? Uh, we are going to go to part three now. We're going to go to a break and we're going to go to part three. Uh, part three, we're just going to have to review 
the Everton game, and there might be some spillover from this uh, this debate. And I'm going to think of a way to come back at Amari for his ageist joke. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be back right after this. This is Toes from the Temperamental Gooners podcast. Just want to give a quick shout out to Contrarian Photos for our great podcast lead for this special Valentine's edition. If you want to get more from us guys, if you want to contact us, you can find us on Instagram at uh, Temperamental Gooners and on Twitter at TPGooner. And of course, you can email us at TPGooner at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. back for part three of the temperamental goodness podcast um through the break gentlemen um i've been trying to come back with with something to say to amari after his vicious vicious ageist assault on me before (laughs) but as always as the old man and the one who knows better toes will just let it go off his shoulder brush it off and move on and move on but revenge will be sweet. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, we have to look forward to the Everton game. Uh, it feels like a bit of a damp squid after, again, Arsenal disappointed us with uh, our draw at home to Fulham. If we had beaten Fulham, we would have been one point behind Everton. Uh, and, if, and this game would have been that much more crucial in terms of just final league positioning. If, we'd beaten, if we could beat them, then we could go above them. But that's obviously not going to happen. So... My question to you, uh, Amari, first is, with the Europa League semi-final on the horizon, what do Arsenal do with the rest of their league campaign? Do we stick or twist? Do we, in a way, blood the youngsters in so that uh, the key personnel, the Bukayo Sackers of this world, Emil Smith-Rose of this world, um, we can't afford for them to get injured? And I'm only saying those two players at the moment because those are the most vital players that we've said, right? Uh, or do we ensure that we are in good form before we get to the Valencia game so continue to play our strongest teams? So, Amari. Uh, I, think, I think we can do a bit of both. I think we can blend. I think, <clears throat> I think we've got enough. The squad is kind of of a size that we can rotate without there being... <clears throat> especially given the fixtures that we have coming up. Um... Yeah, Everton are a decent side, but I'm not kind of concerned to be playing them at home on Friday night. Um, they're missing they're missing Calvert Lewin. They've been missing him for the last couple of their fixtures, I think. Yeah, yeah and they've been on a bit of a kind of a, a strange run up and down, as Everton always are. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think the important thing is, you know, keeping people like Thomas Partey, Smithrow, Saka fit but also in form um we saw with Saka resting him for too long led to you know well even just resting him for a game or so led to a, a, a dip in, in 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 performance which he's kind of recovered now so I don't think he needs to kind of fall away from the team completely in between the Europa League games but there's an opportunity there to play uh, in Ketia there's an opportunity to give Balogun some minutes um Potentially Aziz as well. Uh, Martinelli should be getting a lot of minutes over this over this period, and it looks like Arteta is going to give him that. So, but 
on on that question, sorry to interrupt you, and, and mm. maybe Kibbs, I'll let Amari answer, but Kibbs, maybe follow on that point, right? With Lacazette seemingly pulling up his hamstring and Aubameyang, we don't know what form he's going to be. Can we afford to play Martinelli and him get injured? Because he's the only sort of like credible centre forward that we have left. I think I think Arteta would go with Inketia up front ahead of Martinelli. I think. I think so too. Yeah. I've got to say, yeah. I think. I, so too. I, I, I think. I think he'd go with Inketia. When he's when has he ever shown intentions of playing Martinelli? I think he, he brought him on FA once Cup. against against Benfica. And against Southampton, did he start? Was he, he brought him up? Brought him in up front, I think, against mm. Benfica. But then. Yeah, otherwise, I think he'll go, he'll go in Ketia. One thing I would say, uh, I get that to a point, but I, I don't really... That, I know Martinelli suffered from an injury, but with that narrative, it's almost like people will say, like, rap him Cotton Wall, but he, he doesn't play. But yet, we're going to still start, you know, Saka, ESR, these other players. Martinelli should be playing. If there's mm-hmm. opportunity for playing, he needs to be playing. Um, I think that's just... It's... it's, it's a risk you have to run with, especially if some of the more important players who've been like instrumental this season are, are, are playing and starting. Like ESI, he's injury prone. Well, maybe not injury prone, but you know he's had his knocks. Um, I think I still think momentum is very important. So, um, uh, Kibbs, are you are you advocating that you know ESR and Saka should start that game or? <sighs> Maybe, yeah, maybe not play the full game, of course, but I think they need to play some part, right? They need to get a run, run on the pitch, for sure. I, I, I just think it can be very hard for players not, not to play at all um, and, then, and then come into such a, a big game mm. and if there's a chance for them to play. And I think Everton is quite a competitive game. Uh, OK, Amari, is, is there anyone that you would... I think actually you might have alluded to it in terms of Thomas Partey. You, do you want him playing that game, or is it is this a is this a is this a Mohamed El Nenny, Danny Ceballos special in central midfield? Uh, yeah, that, that midfield didn't look great on um, on <laughs> Sunday, but uh, yeah, I think so. I, don't, I just think we've dropped far too many points in the league already. Like, while I agree, we don't want to like end up. Yeah, putting ourselves in even worse position in the league. Like at the end of the day, finishing eighth and finishing well actually there's a massive difference. It looks like we're gonna finish in that in that area between eighth and tenth. And uh I can't see us putting together the kind of run that we would need to to, to finish above above those positions. So might as well not risk players that we know we're gonna need uh next week Thursday. Um but also, there's a lot of time between Friday and Thursday's games. Like these guys are, are, should be able to do this. We're talking about wanting to get into the Champions League next year. If we win this tournament, they're going to have to be playing Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday, Wednesday uh, every week. So <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. I think they need. They should at least. I'm not. Whether not maybe not play the full game, but get get a run out at least. Mm. You know, I don't want us to get banged. I, I don't. I think the players. Some players will be starting both games. We mm. just don't need a serious hiding going into the game. Yeah. Yep, it's a it's a tough one. It's a tough one coming up. Uh, 
with this Everton game. Um, as, as I think I mentioned, uh, maybe it was off air that uh, Calvert-Lewin hasn't started. What are your predictions, gentlemen, for this game? Let's go with Kibbs first. Kibbs, what are you predicting? Um, just before you do that, for going from last week's predictor, we all predicted wins for against Slavia Prague, so well done to all of us there. I think we all predicted wins uh, for Fulham, and none of us get anything there. I'll have to total up what the uh, <laughs> what the predictions league is looking at. I haven't looked at it for a while. But uh, yeah, Kibbs, what are you going for? Arsenal, Everton. 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw. Oh, okay. All right. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, Amari, <laughs> what are you going for? That predicting of a draw is draining me a bit, but I'll go 2-1 win. 2-1 win. Uh, okay, I was going to go with a win, and I was going to go actually with 2-1. I think we can just about could just about see ourselves uh, winning that. One, one thing we haven't said, actually, was Nicolas Pepe's uh, missed chance against Fulham. That was really disappointing, but yeah, hopefully... The, the header? Yeah, the header. The header. He should have just... Isn't it? Yeah, I think he just tried to bullet it into it straight from into the area of the of the net that he was at. Into him trying to gently lay it down. This is speaking from someone who doesn't like headers, so fair enough. Right? <laughs> I hate it. Uh, so you said enough. half, mate. Uh, only an eight aside, mate. If this comes to eleven aside, I'm running back to right back and not engaging at all with a burly centre half. No chance. Um, <laughs> No chance. Okay, so boys, uh, before we go, customary high five and throw a pie. Now, usually, listeners, high five and throw a pie would be only restricted to the Arsenal world, but for one time and one time only, it's not restricted. So anyone in the footballing world, hint, hint, you would like to high five and hint, hint, throw a pie at. Kibbs. High five to... So many players it could go to Lacazette, Alexandre Lacazette for that performance of the two goals against uh, Spartan Prague. And I'm just going to say, I like, you know, when he was kneeling, it's quite a picture, man. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's something yeah, that we didn't was, touch on, but yeah. That's something we did not touch on. Yeah, what a moment. What a moment. So that was true. a moment for him. He looked defiant. Defiant. So, yep. Lacquer, thank you. Thank you for performance. Thank you for performances. Uh, throw a pie. I wish I could just be unreasonable and then just, just give a pie to someone I don't like, but uh, just for like no reason. But I don't, I'm not, I don't know. Gabriel, give with a penny. I don't know. It's not really fair. At the moment, I, I'm not too sure. It's, uh... I wasn't expecting that. High five Lacazette and a pie to Gabriel. Gabriel. All right. Okay. Um, Let's go to you, Amari. My high five is going to ESR, my guy. I'll take Creedon, not De Bruyne. He's his own man. Um, And the pie is going to like Stan. Josh, like Venai, whatever his name is, all of those guys that run this club and are running it into the ground, just line them all up for me and let me throw the pies at them. <laughs> okay, so Cronkit and Co. 
Oh shit, that's your office hat, yeah. That's where I was thinking you were gonna go, Kibbs, but uh Sorry, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about the players. <laughs> Refreshing Twitter still. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh I, I'm going I'm going to high five this week. It would be it would be good to um it would be good to high five uh Lacazette um for that performance. Uh, but I'm gonna give it to Bakaya Saka because obviously he is he instigated uh, the first, he, he instigated the penalty. He instigated the penalty. He should have got a, a, a kind of assist for the first goal that was ruled out, and then he got his own goal. So uh, Saka gets uh, Saka gets the high five from me. And who gets a pie? Ah, uh, yeah, I think probably. Yeah, I, I think probably it has to go to the whole. You know, these whole chairman of the big six clubs um a one pie special special pie for all of them uh all of them need to get a pie in their faces right now and they are getting pies in their faces the way they're all running away from this thing now after they've realized the backlash so can, sorry can, right. can can i can i um take back my my pie certainly, wasn't certainly. This, this is you a one time you may need to cut this out as well man I want this One to be an edited off. pod. I'll need, I'll, need, I'll need this to be cut out the earlier bit. But <laughs> I, I might not be able to do that. Oh, I was joking. It's all for the same process. Yeah, the, the governing bodies. Because you you boys already given the pies to the owners. I'm saying UEFA and FIFA. They're next. <laughs> Can we just quickly crease at Spurs a bit more like Ryan Ryan Mason is their, their, their head coach and Chris Powell I'm actually uh, dead that is so <laughs> jokes like, fair play to Ryan Mason feel bad for him because he had to retire from scratching his yeah. still but I, I, I'm there thinking right to be fair right shouldn't this have gone to Ledley King am I the only one thinking that what's Ledley King he, I've seen him on that touchline with Mourinho's Coaching right. staff. He's black he hasn't been sacked. Be manager, so. Well, you see, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Amari. You've said it because if I was, if I was Ledley King, unless they've offered it to him, unless they've offered it to him, and he said, you know what, no thanks or whatever. Uh, Ryan Mason, fair enough, all right. Like you said, it's unfortunate what happened to his career. And let's not, let's not, you know, damp that down or whatever. But I just think, in terms of Spurs icon and seniority, from what I can see. I thought Ledley King would have been in a position and he's got the clout to be able to... And quite frankly, like, you know, he's, he's, Ryan Mason's how old? 29 years yeah. old? So yeah. what? They, they, they think he's going to be a Julian Nagelsmann uh, kind of thing. Yeah, apparently, so, apparently he's like a... He's one of uh, Pochettino's boys. So I mean, might have been a bit of an influencer. Probably... I'm probably being yeah. dismissive because he's English, but like I'm not. But you've we'll said see. it, right? You've said it. I, I think you know it's 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 disappointing that uh, Ledley King, even as interim manager, is not getting a shout there. But you know, let's let's not look at that. Let's just laugh at Spurs. They again, they again went for the big thing with Mourinho. But who are they to sack Mourinho? That's the thing. Do you know? Well, I, I, said, I, I honestly think like. He probably truly thought this ESL was going through distractions, like manager boost. It's all gone very wrong, man. It is. 
it's all gone very wrong for them. Yeah, it's all gone very wrong. Yeah, I don't know, man. Their club's a bit of a joke, isn't it? But like, I'm saying that, and like, I don't know why I'm saying that because the Arsenal can't be in that great moment. But I just still, they're safe. Long, long may they continue to be a joke, shall we say? Long may they continue. And on that note, gentlemen, we shall reconvene hopefully for uh, this next Sunday or Monday after the Everton game, and we will be previewing. The Villarreal game, which is going to be the biggest game of our season. Um, hopefully, Arsenal can 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 wake up and they can uh, put one over their former manager Unai Emery. So uh, that's uh, bye from me. Peace out. See ya. Thanks, boys. All right. <laughs>